it isn't a true story, and it isn't like a fun character movie. So I don't I don't get why this movie exists. Yeah. Maybe you can tell me. Um, I wish that I could, Stephen. Um, unfortunately, watching this film is a lot like digging a one foot wide trench from Kansas to New York. It takes entirely too long, and in the end, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is review number 552 with a review of the hummingbird project i'm christopher schnazy and i'm Stephen miller and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week in your feeds you already had a review of us um and this is our review of the hummingbird project which might be in limited release um i don't know how wide it went mm-hmm. i know technically the release date was like last week and well, then it just came here it aired this week. in Canada in 2018. Okay. So I think they're doing like a kind of limited rollout. But The Orchard, I don't, I don't really understand their distribution strategy. I, I don't understand it either. But uh, anyways, <laughs> we're here to talk about that. But either way, it might be something that you could catch in theaters now. I assume it's going to be available for renting on VOD literally any day now. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like a 16 millisecond delay. So. Yeah. Like I, I, I had seen the trailer for this online. Um, that's how I knew of its existence, but I haven't seen it advertised at all in any theaters yeah, me neither. in the Bay Area, so um, we'll find out why that is <laughs> in the review. When we got out of the movie, Joanna was like, so like, was that like a critical darling or something? Like, how did you know about it? I was like, Chris just saw a trailer online, I don't know. <laughs> Chris is a sucker for Jesse Eisenberg being kind of a dick, mm-hmm. but maybe trying to work on creating something good. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for better or for worse, um, we won't find out until the next like 15 minutes from now. Uh, but for better or worse, we saw this film and we are now bringing you a review to either uh, prophetize this film or warn you not to see it. <laughs> Chris is holding up a Jeremiah eleven eleven <laughs> cardboard. Um, but yeah, what do you say we uh, not prolong this any longer? Um, and let's get to the trailer. Sure. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Hummingbird Project, and we're going to come back and give you a review. How straight are we talking about here? Whatever's in the way, we got to dig through. It's got to be a totally straight line. Mountains. Straight. Rivers. Straight. Swamps. Straight. Straight, straight, straight. Can I ask what the purpose of that line is? Our purpose is to get the stock market quotes in like 16 milliseconds, which is one millisecond faster than everybody else right now. Okay. Then what happens? Roughly $500 million a year. Why didn't you go to Eva Torres? Eva Torres uses human beings like disposable assets. I can make your life hell if I decide to. You want to buy a 12-inch strip off of my property? Under your property. It looks like they're building a fiber line between CACs and the New York Stock Exchange. I know, Jen. I am looking at it. We're going to do this in less. I already told you we can. Oh, yes, we can. Do you think she's trying to build her own line? Oh, I just made half a million dollars in five seconds. 
We can't let her beat us. I'm doing everything I can! Tell me your dream, buddy. Country home on a hill, small road, hummingbirds. All right, say it again. Country home on a hill, small road, hummingbirds. I know you can do it. Yeah. Okay. Somebody rigged our network. Champion! Zaleski. Mr. Zaleski, stop. You betrayed me. I have to pay. Why is she putting up cell towers? They're trying to screw us. I'm going to tear you down. I'm going into my meeting right now, but I'll call you in two or three hours. Um, could you send all the paperwork over to my office? I'd love to have this done by the end of the day. Just think of it as David walking onto the floor of the stock exchange, taking out the biggest slingshot ever, and bringing Goliath down to his knees. We're David. Yeah. Yeah, we're David. All right, so that was the trailer for The Hummingbird Project. It is about um, two cousins who work in the uh, stock brokering business. Yeah, they're, they're in, like, Quantitative trading, high. I, I don't remember what you call like the yeah. Like, it's like high, high velocity micro trading. Yeah, basically they they work for a company whose whole job is to try to do transactions faster than everybody else, predict the markets, and make a ton of money in fractions of seconds. And uh, they want to leave this company, start their own company with the help of some investors, and they want to drill a one inch, basically channel. From the Kansas Stock Exchange to the New York Stock Exchange so that they can get transactions within 16 milliseconds um, in hopes to beat the competition um, who is currently at 17 milliseconds. So basically they're, they're quitting their entire livelihood <laughs> to do this insane task for several months, if not years of their life, mm-hmm. in order to accomplish the goal of removing one millisecond so they can hopefully make hundreds of thousands of dollars per second doing all these things. Basic plan, yeah. So basic plan is somebody wants to buy something for $10, <laughs> you go buy it for cheaper and then list it. It's dope wars, mm-hmm. but happening at milliseconds. Yeah. And, um, and, and of course, all of that is like real to a degree at least. Like definitely yeah, yeah. the edge is speed. Yeah, that's why real estate like directly across from the stock exchange yeah. is insanely expensive because – you being that close allows you to have just that little microsecond of advantage over the competition, mm-hmm. and you can theoretically do specific trades faster than the competition. It, and it's take also why every like AI PhD who sells out goes to Wall Street to work for these companies. Yeah. Um, but now that we're done with that <laughs> fun factoid, mm-hmm. Stephen Miller, what did you think of the Hummingbird Project? So. I think there's something about movies that I choose to see at the Kabuki Theater, a a local one (laughs) in San Francisco, because I distinctly remember a time maybe three years ago of walking to the Kabuki Theater to watch a movie I was pretty excited about that was about Wall Street and the goings-on called Money Monster. (laughs) And uh, Not Antonio. And suffice it to say, um, the trailer for Money Monster I thought was way 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 better than the movie money monster which kind of fell flat to me um the hummingbird project i think is an ass movie <laughs> i thought this was like a shitty 
no reason for this to be made film. And I feel kind of bad about that because I know like the director, uh, Kim Wynn wrote and directed this. It, it was clearly a, a passion project, right? Like it was an idea to turn this into a film. It wasn't like something that they had to make from another property. It wasn't surprising to me based on a true story because this is such a, a mundane movie where nothing happens that I felt like the only redeeming quality was going to be, Oh, it's based on a true story. Like it, it, it just boggles my mind that this is a movie at apologies to Carson, who I know loved uh, two lovers and a bear, which I still need to see. And this won't deter me from seeing it, but <laughs> I don't know, man, this, this just like, I felt like this movie didn't get anything right. Like, the lingo of quantitative trading certainly didn't get right. Though, like Money Monster, there were a lot of talks about algos, which makes me think that maybe <laughs> on Wall Street, that's what people say. Steven, don't you know that you just have a list on your screen, mm-hmm. and if the list randomly decides to assign rows in the, in the list as being red, it's bad, yeah. and you smash your keyboard on the table. Yep. <laughs> and if some of them turn green, you jump up and down and yell and say, we just made five that $500,000 so, so in five seconds. Because I think like maybe they're rendering like for each stock what is the gain or loss that they're getting there. Um, but it's more the character of uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character, who is supposed to be this genius coder, um, who is like the secret to all of their success. He's such a secret that Sama Hayek's boss character is like, trying to win him back over and threatening him and deeply, deeply upset that he is absconding. And he talks about code like someone who has not spent 10 minutes talking to a programmer in their life. Like, he says things like... I mean, it sounds like he, like he because of his character, which for some reason has to have some form of Asperger's yeah. because he's a smart coder guy. Sure. Um, it, he probably hasn't talked to another programmer for right, his life. Just, there's an actual line in this movie where he says something to the effect of, like, I just want to be left alone with my codes and to write my algo. Like, <laughs> no human English as any number of language on their list, like, has ever said that sentence before. Yeah. Um, and, I, like, I, I felt like Jesse Eisenberg doesn't get a lot to do in this movie. Like, I like him well enough, and so I believe him as the smooth-talking guy that could, like get a thing like this off the ground but the moment the hummingbird project actually begins in earnest i feel like this movie just falls flat like nothing interesting happens there aren't really interesting challenges to it there aren't interesting character moments and and also just so we can get this out there minor spoilers for the film the hummingbird project is to make the channel so they can transmit it (laughs) 16 milliseconds which is, and then make enough money to buy a house where he can have hummingbirds that he only wants because hummingbirds' wings flap at 16 milliseconds per second, or mm-hmm. some, whatever it is. It's all connected, man. It's like the butterfly effect. Yeah, except for that movie is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it just, I, I felt like the movie was very abrasive feeling for no good reason and i don't know if it was just my mood was soured from watching it like it didn't get off on the right foot but there are music cues in this movie that i feel like this is supposed to be a fun montage this is supposed to be like a a, like the big short kind of like wild crazy ride and i was just like not enjoying it at all and it it, there there was something about it where i felt like it 
it was unpleasant. <laughs> There's like a lot of yelling in the movie without much of a payoff. I, like I think maybe just the the mix at Kabuki was extra bad that day because I was like actively not enjoying this movie. <laughs> um, I also feel like Sama Hayek is in a completely different movie than the one the other people are trying to make. Like I did not believe her as the boss character at all in this. <laughs> um, and you don't believe her as somebody who has so much money that she can give an MIT student $150,000 a year with a bonus of $300,000 if he can build some cell towers in a month? <laughs> yeah, well, so that's another thing. is I feel like much like Money Monster, I feel like this movie doesn't understand how money works. I, this, this, here's the thing. The whole thing, there are characters who say, we just made $500,000 in five seconds. If you can do that with this guy's technology, going back to our Triple Frontier conversation... Mm-hmm. Why would you give him less than half of that <laughs> to allow you to do it? Yeah, so, so he has made the money back instantaneously. That, that's also weird to me. Like, I, I don't want to peel behind the Silicon Valley curtain or Wall Street curtain too much, but I don't think any PhD sells their soul because Wall Street offered them 150 grand. Like, yeah. maybe, maybe somewhere, not in New York City. I don't. I mean, think. it sounded like that kid. I don't know. It's not like that kid had just started college and happened to write a paper that this woman needed. I mean, and he, he was, was like, like a, that sounds like more no, money. Than- it was his PhD thesis. So he oh, just okay. graduated. Gotcha. And, and it's just like, none of that is a big deal, of course, but it just feels like the barest research. That's you not could, enough to pay off his debt. <laughs> like cr- crank that to 250 and then I totally believe it, right? Like it wouldn't be that hard to adjust the yeah. numbers. Uh, it's the same with there's a VC in this film. And the way that he reacts to different situations is just not what any VC in the world would actually do. And I get the realism isn't what they're going for. I just don't know what they are going for because it isn't an interesting story. It isn't a true story. And it isn't like a fun character movie. So I don't, I don't get why this movie exists. Yeah. Maybe you can tell me. Um, I wish that I could, Stephen. Um, unfortunately, watching this film is a lot like digging a one-foot-wide trench from Kansas to New York. It takes entirely too long, and in the end, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I This fucking movie, <laughs> like, it feels like they're trying to make this, this thing as some twisted, like, Shakespearean tragedy, but it's not. Like, mm-hmm. does Jesse Eisenberg need <laughs> spoilers? <laughs> I, I just... Everything about this film I disliked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I may bleep some of that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like this film... So, let, let's go back to uh, freaking Vice, right? Yeah. Which I liked a little more than you. But whatever you think about that film, most of the annoying thing is the on-the-nose politics of it, right? right? Where you're like, yeah, yeah, we're all on the same side. Like, we get it. Let's just have fun. But I enjoyed the banter, the people like like wheeling and dealing, the people being clear assholes and being happy. Like there was a thing to those characters that made them like you the char- the people acting as those characters are having fun being as douchey as possible, right? And then they're getting away with things they shouldn't be able to get away with. This film is a story all about that. They were like it's not illegal, but let's just say extra legally digging a trench across like part of the united states right Mm -hmm. i don't think you could actually do that like apparently 
you can, but like, I don't know. If you but, get all the property contracts, yeah, like I don't it, know. it just seems crazy. This is a store where people have to literally buy strips of people's lawn. They might have to buy it from people who don't want to sell it, maybe. And this film could be a fun thing of Jesse Eisenberg taking people out to party and getting them to sign over things, or telling them, in a, like, convincing them to do things. Like, there's. There's like a scene where this guy's like, I'm an old man and I don't know if I want to give you my property. And he's like, well, we could lease it for $200,000. He's like, okay. <laughs> and like, that's it. End of yeah. story. Like next thing. And it's like, okay, fine. So you're not going to do – you're not going to give me an entertaining – like I I like Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> I like him being this guy. Give me the social network of trench digging and I would be totally on board with that. But I want – I want – two army hammers saying we're going to sue you in federal court for digging a trench on our lawn but mm-hmm. instead we get some fucking Amish guy who has nothing to do other than to say we don't want high speed internet under our lawn and it's <laughs> weird that a prospector would have that problem with things being underground I know it's super weird right Mr. Pocket um, <laughs> but I, I just think there's so many missteps like this film could be really fun and then like what they're selling us is this competition between the company they left and then the company they're trying to start. And there's not really competition like <laughs> Selma Hayek like, threatens them, but the threat, the threat itself seems like insubstantial at first. It seems like well, that, how, how is anybody going to take this threat as real? And then maybe it becomes real. But then like the way it may or may not be resolved is – fucking ridiculous Mm -hmm. like it doesn't it just so much this film doesn't make sense and it's not particularly entertaining it's not a lot of gotchas it's not a lot of fun it's just a film where people are chasing a thing like we we've joked before about chappy and like can we compile no it didn't compile got 99 percent compiled and then trying to get that one extra percent compiled this is a guy literally pinging a coil of of freaking fiber cable trying to he, he he's just trying to get it to go down one and mm-hmm. here's the thing did he write a program that is his own pinging program that says his target and what he's getting and then subtracts it and then shows you what's left over i think so yeah okay i just feel like he would be using whatever the pinging thing is and he'd just be like oh it's not 16 yet <laughs> like mm-hmm. it just feels everything about it just feels weird and inauthentic to me and i just I don't know why this story had to be told. I don't know what the goal was. I can't even imagine. Like, even if you told me that the film was written during the writer's strike (laughs) from several years back and somebody left, like, production in the middle of production (laughs) and it got a new director, Mm -hmm. that would still not explain what the hell is happening in this film. Like, I just found it aggressively bad. I didn't know why the story was being told. And in the end, I was like, really? Really, really, really? Like, the way it resolves everything just felt like... I I just couldn't imagine somebody trying to actually release this in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it kind of bewildered me also. Um, I will say, like... The one character who I did like quite a bit, I just wish there had been more of him in this movie, is uh, Michael Mando's character, Mark, who's like their their first hire. Their first hire, and he's supposed to be the digging expert. 
Um, I thought that the scene where they're hiring him is pretty cool. And like in general, he was kind of, he was the one thing in this movie that was not abrasive. <laughs> and like, yeah. I, I enjoyed his like presence in the movie. I feel like a fun movie could be made about them just going on this wild trip to build the thing and running into all sorts of obstacles. And at the end of the movie, the exact same thing happens, but you just compress that ending to like 10 minutes. Yeah. So here's the thing about the dicking, right? Mm-hmm. There is a potential world in which this film would have been written by, like, an expert in digging. And they just somehow sucked me in with all the digging conversation. I was like, well, it's really interesting how digging works, right? But here's the thing. They're trying to hire experts in horizontal digging, which is where instead of digging down, (laughs) you dig horizontally. I I don't follow. (laughs) All right. I'm with you. The thing is... They never once explain how you get to horizontal from above. They're always digging down at a 45-degree angle, mm. and that turns into horizontal digging. Even there's, even with, like, the Amish place, right? Like, minor spoilers, the way they get around the Amish people not wanting to sell is instead of going 10 feet down, they go 100 feet down, because apparently the law, you lose rights to your land 100 feet down. It's not like they dug a giant tunnel 100 feet down and then dug horizontally. They drilled down at an angle. Mm-hmm. How, how is that horizontal digging? <laughs> well, uh, so I, I imagine that is a real kind of machine and that does, like, angle once it's down. Like, they're going in at an angle to reach the point where they had been before. I, but I don't how do know you how, change that angle? I don't know how physics works. Because you're digging. <laughs> yeah, but they... I don't, I don't know. You would in, have to dig out a hole. In, in surgery, the, there's the notion of an articulated needle that is like bendy, and you can point it in a way and then bend it, and that changes the direction of the tip. But, and maybe something like that happens with the drill, too. But like even not knowing how this stuff works, there's the truck that has all of the long drill bits, right? And the way the drilling works is the one drills as far as... It, it's basically like a hot glue gun, right? Right. As soon as they drill as far as they can, they put the next pipe on and then drill further with that, because... The drill itself is also the pipe that the fiber optic cable is. And that's the other thing. Let's pretend like they drilled, they dug this trench and laid this pipe. How do you drag fiber optic cable through a thousand miles of pipe? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you trained rats that just crawl, 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 crawl and pull it? They don't, there's never even talk of this. Mm-hmm. All it is is can we drill this thing? Yeah, and, and that is one thing. It feels weird, but I think we should go into spoilers just so I can nitpick <laughs> more specific things. Um, because, yeah, there is a lot that does not make sense in this story. I have to say, too, this is in the trailer, but the, like, thinly veiled ripoff of the Les Grossman dance, like, really annoyed me in this movie, especially because of how out of nowhere it comes what, so- and how not paid off it is. Out of nowhere, I mean, he just learned that he can use tolerances of devices to solve his problem. Yeah. Also, if you had lines of code, like, I'm just going to extrapolate this way. If you had lines of code that had a 15% tolerance of successfully working or not, would you just comment out all the lines of code that you thought weren't in that tolerance and then hope that everything never fails? Like, I think this, like, repeater plan doesn't make sense. I know it's not a perfect analogy doing mm. lines of code, but, like... Yeah, so it, I think the the way it can make sense is that tolerance can be, like, a company says their thing is capable of X when really it's capable of 
you know, more than X because defects in manufacturing can swing it. So there is a belief that maybe it would be repeatably good at that thing if you, like, bought a bunch. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that is, like, maybe believable. It is insane that, like, the only thing he was planning on was, like, the posted the the posted capabilities of like one manufactured item rather than trying to fucking build his own right like yeah. things like that don't make any sense yeah, yeah. but I, I think that phone call there's a world where that makes sense the dance that follows it <laughs> d- nope <laughs> I, i'm not gonna lie i think the dance is the best no sorry not the dance itself but how that dance ends mm. is the best part of this whole movie <laughs> yeah, yeah i i don't know I was just so not on board at this point because it felt like this movie was like reveling in greed or audacity or, you know, they're, they're David and Goliath like that. That's in the trailer. <laughs> we're, we're, we're David. Yeah. It, well, that's the thing is like that. That scene plays out as if we're already supposed to like be questioning allegiances or something. But there's no fucking reason for it. Like it's the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And I, I don't know. There's just no reason for this movie. I'm bewildered but i'm bewildered that it even is doing as well as it is like is it doing well it's not doing great but like rotten tomatoes it was like 50 or something like <laughs> but it, it wasn't like 20 like plenty of people must have been like happy with it well some people are still waiting to see it still so they can give it the bad review mm. yeah yeah i don't know do you do you actually have things you want to say in spoilers um I mean, we can just spoil the whole movie if you want it, that we don't have to do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I legitimately do not think this film is good. Um, I This is one of those films where I so aggressively don't like it that I don't mind just spoiling it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we, we can say from now on out, there will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. So if you actually were hoping to see this film, just don't. <laughs> yep. And keep listening. Okay. So the main <laughs> spoiler... Of this movie, it's two-part. One, Jesse Eisenberg has stomach cancer. Chris may or may not have bleeped himself earlier in the podcast talking about that. Um, and spoiler two, they fail in the end. Yeah. But it isn't that they fail because they cannot build this they, thing. They succeed. Yeah. But somebody else does better because of one MIT kid yeah. who made $150,000. Yeah. And, and so that is the crazy thing to me is they... So they they fail in the sense that they don't beat the competition, and before they can finish their line, then Salma Hayek's evil corporation has already solved with microwave beams, like a completely different technology, and gotten down to 11 milliseconds. Okay. A VC walks in to the hospital when, like, Jesse Eisenberg is going in because he is, like, undergoing some kind of terrible, terrible bodily trauma— and because an unknown thing was invented by competition that outbeat them, he shouts, you fucked me, you fucked me, How the f- what the fuck is wrong with you, we're ruined, we're going bankrupt. No, that's not how companies work. That isn't even like them lying to him. That isn't fraud. That, that, that's just like... Well, I, I think in that case, he was ruined because he invested a bunch of money of his... Co- so he on behalf of his company, invested 
tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to do a thing based on the fact that it would pay off dividends in the fact that they would be making $500,000 a second um, if it worked. And yeah, that it so, didn't so work. that's investing. But investing, you always think maybe this won't succeed, right? Maybe yeah, the yeah, competition yeah. will win. Maybe something else will go on. I just would not believe that like a big Wall Street dude would be so invested in one thing and so sure the moment someone beats them with a different method that there's not like another advantage. Well, I, I, don't I, know. I think it, the point is that his boss fired him. Sure. So he is pissed because he has a gambling addiction and was told these horses were a sure thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just don't I, I don't buy his behavior was as if it had been fraud. And like it could have been, right? If if it had been that like Anton didn't get to bring it down to sixteen milliseconds, whereas Jesse Eisenberg had been pitching it as like sixteen. Yeah. Sure. That could be fraud. It's like very light fraud. It, like it doesn't help that the Theranos doc like came out just a few days before seeing this. <laughs> so like real fraud is actually on my mind. Um, and it, so that I just think wasn't very believable. But then also, after all this happens, they're not done construction. Jesse Eisenberg passes out. Everything is going wrong. He's in the hospital. He comes to. Some time has passed. And they have installed all the fiber optic cables all the way from Kansas to the New York Stock Exchange just to do one little test to see that it worked. And then they dig it up again to make the Amish guy yeah. happy. They just dig up the 100 feet like through like, his yard. That would be millions and millions of dollars still to finish that project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. So it, it's literally just... Uh, so... Yeah. So sticking with that, it's literally just to do this like thing that we were on this like we we sacrificed everything for this task and still failed it's just supposed to be this thing where like oh can you believe we just did all that for nothing mm-hmm. plus also i'm dying of stomach cancer <laughs> like it's just supposed to be tragic and maybe ironic but like it's just it, it just comes off as super super dumb i think mm-hmm. for me there is a way you could you could successfully tell the story where they still fail in the end or still get beat by the competition the problem is it's a fucking idea that his competition has and there is never a scene where somebody says we solved it and now they're racing to complete construction of the towers before they complete construction of the the fiber channel it's just suddenly one day they spray paint 11 milliseconds which fucking like put a laptop there with a speed test going right like like she could have made that up Maybe they maybe they're at eighteen seconds. Like maybe the microwave beams don't even work. Like you really gave up everything because somebody spray painted eleven milliseconds. Like fucking do a test. <laughs> like I just I couldn't believe that that was like fucking burn it all down. <laughs> like mm. it just it didn't it didn't make sense to me that he even took that as truth without doing a test first in the first place. But we. As film watchers, we know that it is true because whatever. But I just, oh, it's just insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just goes back to Sama Hayek's character not making any sense to me. Because yeah. I also don't get why she, they are an existential threat because they're trying to complete this in time to beat her company. Yeah. But her company has already been frantically trying to find faster ways of doing things. So the movie frames it as them being like, the big impetus and she's out to fuck them but she's i mean yeah she does underhanded things like tries to steal their construction crew and everything but just building 
the tower because a new thing that was invented that will make them way more rich. Like that isn't even a fuck you to Jesse Eisenberg. That's just like what the company was doing. I well, so just so, the dynamics of this movie I didn't get. So they were they were getting ready to shelf the plan for the microwave beam towers because they thought the technology wasn't available. And even the cousin um thought that it would be three to five years out. Mm-hmm. So the idea was once she figures out what they're doing, she says, Well we can't beat that unless we have this technology put all the resources on solving this rather than slowly trying to solve it over time because we thought it was impossible. Now, do whatever it takes, and then they only even solve it because the one MIT kid happened to be writing a paper on it, right? Mm. Um, so, like, I'm fine with that progression of things. I just think, I, for me, one of the things that most annoys me about the whole interaction and the game that Selma Hayek tries to play is that, so, her whole thing is, let me sue him or get him arrested for using code that belongs to the company, which that is real, right? Sure. You, work, you work for a company. Anything you write on work stuff technically belongs to the company. You sign pieces of paper that say that is true. Mm-hmm. They own the code. If you, I think this podcast belongs to my company. <laughs> that That is true. Well, it's recorded on my laptop, which I own, so mm-hmm. only your audio. <laughs> The voice before it is recorded belongs to the company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, that's beyond the point, hopefully. <laughs> um, the real point is that that is like a real thing, right? There's non-complete co- compete clauses. There's all sorts of shit with like whatever you do is owned by the company. So you can't just take that and go to a literal rival company, right? They were starting a company that did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So there is legitimate cause for her to be... Um, alarmed and to take legal action. But her plan is specifically to convince the FBI that the code that he stole from their company is a threat to national security well, I, I think because the it can is, destroy the market. Yeah, so the threat to national security is that they could, by bringing her company down through theft, they could screw up the economy. I, I don't know. This would all be easier if the movie had spent like one minute telling me what code is but, in this movie. Because what is the code? Is the code like the way of compressing the stock values? Are they calling them codes because they are literal codes? Like these are the codes for different stock events <laughs> for happening? Nuclear football. Yeah. No, and, but like, so hold on though. Like this is more important. He pulls off his thing where he calls his thing in his little bookcase that he made, his little like kill switch that he set up that adds 20 milliseconds to their latency. Um, so he calls that and sets it up. She realizes it's him because it's exactly 20 milliseconds everywhere. He's so smart he can set this up, but he didn't think to make it a variable latency that like nope. affects things as if there's some like problem in their cabling and make them dig up all of their cables across the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do that. Just makes it even. Maybe because it's a power move, he wants her to know, once again, going to back to Princess Bride. <laughs> I know you know. So here's the problem. He goes, you drop the charges. I'll get rid of the latency. Here's the thing. At the point that you bring in the FBI and you convince them that this person is a threat to national security. It's not your charges anymore. You don't get to drop the charges. Sure. Cool. We're not suing you anymore. The FBI still wants to hold you in jail. Also, you can still- <laughs> I, I don't think if I'm 
if I'm being held by the FBI for illegally using code, I don't think admitting I planted a bomb in your system (laughs) and I'm going to hold you hostage or else I won't tell you where it is is like the smartest way to avoid jail time in the future. I mean, she... He tells that to Selma Hayek, not to the FBI, right? But they were probably listening on yeah. the phone call anyway. But then he tells her immediately how to cancel it, too. Yeah, and that's so. a dumb thing, too. First get me out of jail, mm. then I tell you how to disable the thing. First rules of negotiation. Or, even better, I-, I get that he wants to get out of jail, but just turn on the thing and make their company plummet, and now you've beat the competition, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that just, <laughs> why not just do it for good? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. The lemon or, farmers or, in Zimbabwe. Or if you already have that technology, why not piggyback off their network and every time you want to make individual trades, you slow them down for those purchases only. And then it's not across the board. They just lose on a few transactions. They'll never catch that because there are little fluctuations all the time in the market. Yeah. I just feel like there's so many, there's so much better plans. Yeah, it, it just seems like, like Money Monster again, this is a movie that it feels like it knows what it wants to feel like. It wants to feel like a rage against corporate greed, a rage against Wall Street, and the way that it plays with money. And it plays but the, with, but the quote unquote heroes, David, is also greedy. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and they're also not. Like, I, I don't know. I, they're it, not even played as heroes. Like, they're supposed to... Greed is their downfall also. Like, I don't think Jesse Eisenberg with a chainsaw, we are rooting for him at that point, right? Um, <laughs> Maybe not to die. But just... It feels very vague. Like, it wants to have that, like, the feeling of being a movie that is anti-establishment or anti-Wall Street or anti-corporate, whatever. Yeah. But it just doesn't know what the hell it wants to say like it it isn't versed in any of this stuff that it's talking about yeah. also they're building in these remote parts of the wilderness right and they keep saying there are no roads to get trucks out here we have to buy this special fucking helicopter that later on a bunch of dad rock guys are going to try to use to get money over the mountains hell yeah <laughs> and uh it's very very key that the only way to do this drilling is to fly with a helicopter shit in, right? Who and how did they build those giant towers right next to them without anybody hearing the helicopters <laughs> or notice all of the giant fucking metal towers being brought in? I feel like there would have been moments where somebody's like, oh, you know, you think that radio towers for anything? <laughs> right? <sighs> yeah. Right? I just, all of this movie is just dumb. If if I were making this company too, I think I would start with solving the mountain part before I commit all my money to yeah, the easy like stuff. Drill that first? Yeah. Yeah. Proof yeah. of concept. Makes sense. I mean, sure, send your door-to-door people out to get all the contracts signed for the other stuff. But yeah, drill the mountain first. Mm-hmm. Drill the mountain first. Yeah. <sighs> so should we get the verdict? Sure. <laughs> I can't tell if this is the best or worst episode of the book. Well, we never released Aloha, so we'll never know for sure. True. All right. Well, if you're going to give this five radio towers, four radio towers, three to- radio towers, two radio towers, or one radio tower, how many radio towers would you give it? Uh, I'm going to give this a must avoid. <laughs> I just, I I think it is a 
it, it's a boring movie. It isn't doing anything. It isn't telling an interesting story or a real story. It, it brings in character quirks, but they're kind of half-baked and not fun in any way. I, I just don't get who this movie is for. Yeah, I, I thought this film was not good at all. And by the time it ended, I was like, that's the story you were telling me this whole time. He fucking goes to an Amish farm to die of cancer while watching a video of achieving 16 milliseconds per second. Or not milliseconds per second. 15, 16 milliseconds all for nothing. Like that, that you'd think I'm just going to be like, oh, well, that was a touching, touching tale of progress. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, this is a must avoid. This movie's so bad. So, so, so bad. So bad. Joanna agrees. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that is going to do it for this review of the Hummingbird Project. Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? If people can find want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Hummingbird Project. So hopefully you're enjoying that um, more than we enjoyed this film. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that is it. I don't know if I know what's coming out next week. Uh, There's a few things. Um, I don't remember (laughs) offhand. There's definitely stuff to watch. Yeah, there will be things coming out in the future. Check back in. We will let you know. (laughs) Dumbo and Hotel Mumbai. I'm I'm right here. (laughs) All right, we'll be back next week with a review of Dumbo and Hotel Mumbai. Bye bye. Bye. (laughs)